Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is it's so great. It's one of those people that you go, there's no way that that person is going to ever be on my podcast. And then you get them and you go, man, it was exactly as cool as I thought the conversation was going to be. Couple things, couple housekeeping things before we get to the interview with Rachel True. Very happy that Mazda of Orland Park is still one of our sponsors of this podcast. ZoomZoomNation.com is the way that you can reach out to them. Go buy yourself a car if, if you're in the market for a car. I'm not ordering you to go buy a car, but if you are going to buy a car, at least go see them. Say what's up to Eric. Be like, hey, where's Eric? I was told that he knows about cars. And and when you meet Eric, go, Eric, guess what? Lawrence told me to come here and hang out with you and maybe buy a car here. And while you're doing that, do me this favor. If you are in the market to buy a home or if you're it's actually a really good time to refinance a home i was looking at the rates if you're going to do either one of those things for god's sakes do me this favor call david hockberg homeside financial the number is really simple don't fast forward through this 855-56 david Okay. Call him. 855-568. Just call him and say what up. Heard that you've got those low rates. I'm trying to refinance my home. Lauren said you could hook a brother up or a sister. Or whatever the pronoun is. He helps everybody. 855-56 David. You can get yourself in a good place before the year is over. All that good stuff. Here's the legal part that I have to tell you, or else it's not legal. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. I've been a fan of Rachel True for a really long time. I think that she is incredible. I think she's hilariously funny. She has, her style is omnipresent when you see her on camera, when you see her in films. If you're like, wait, who's Rachel True? You should know, but if you don't know, if, did you enjoy the movie The Craft? Because she is Rochelle from The Craft. Did you en- enjoy the movie Half Baked? 
because she's Mary Jane in half baked. And it's funny because how much she could kind of now that I've had a chance to talk with her, seeing how much of herself went into those roles. And if you like a good sitcom, she was on a great sitcom called Half and Half as Mona. So we got together because randomly she just started following me on Twitter like two years ago. And it was one of the highlights of my day that day when I found out that Rachel True was following me on Twitter. She finished a book. She has a book that's a bit of a memoir and she's into tarot cards. I didn't know a lot about tarot cards and she walked me through tarot card reading and why why a lot of black people when they hear tarot cards kind of run away but it, it ended up being a really good conversation about mental health and i i think that that's important right now on top of that we talked about her career and we talked about her hair because her hair is a big part of her career it's rare that you talk with someone and you feel like you know them And a lot of times when I've had the chance to talk with people that are celebrities, I walk away going, oh, I I thought I knew that person. I had no idea. And I'm not saying that, that me and Rachel are like hanging out now, but she was everything that I expected and more. And I mean that in the best way possible. She was a delight, interesting, smart made me rethink positions on things complimentary and did all of that while selling her book true heart intuitive tarot go get it support her please go buy that book wherever it is that you get books she's great and we had a wonderful conversation so let me stop talking about it and let me let you in on it Me and Rachel True hanging out, talking about all sorts of stuff on the House of L podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? (laughs) Pretty excellent. I thank you so much for being available. I would have changed my background, but I literally just finished my radio show. That's fair enough. Looks great. Is that some kind of sports thing? Yes, I'm I'm a sportscaster (laughs) by trade, but I like to talk with interesting people about what it is they do for a living. I only know tennis. That's the only sport that exists. Did you play? No. <laughs> no, I'm very bad at it, but I just I love watching it. It's my favorite sport ever since I was a little kid. Okay. No problem. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you had time and I thank you for for doing this. I have uh, a bunch of questions, but the first one I wanted to ask you about the book and the cards, yeah. okay? I I live in an area, I used to live in an area in Chicago called Hyde Park, and there was a tarot card reader that's right on 47th Street, and I would walk <laughs> past it all the time, and I never, ever went in to, to, to get my cards read. I don't know what it was that was holding me back, so I want to know, what was it that got you into it, and what do you think one can get out Oh, that's a good question, Um, because I know for us, especially as black people, there's a lot of, you know, uh, woo woo weirdness surrounded around tarot. And why I wrote the book, frankly, was to help destigmatize and demystify it. 
uh, basically tarot cards are a, a, seven, a deck of 78 cards that are an extremely useful tool for self-reflection. Carl Jung used these cards with his patients to help you, uh, one, understand what's going on with yourself. As Carl Jung says, the best way to predict the future is to understand of the present evolved out of the past. So there's very, not so much woo-woo stuff at all in my book. It's, there's not, and there's also nothing magical about these cardboard paper cards. It's literally paper and ink. The magic is in how our brain connects to the symbols on the card and what comes up viscerally and emotionally for us because that's a clue in to what's going on with us in psychology wise and we can use that to help shift our moods and shift our actions for example have you ever made a stupid choice yes like yes, right often. i have two by the way plenty of time but and then you're like why did i do that so what I'm saying is tarot cards are really great for helping you understand why we sabotage ourselves sometimes, why we make weird choices, or alternatively, when things are going great, how to keep things going great, you know, how not to fall off our path. So lastly, I'll describe it as this. I talk about reaching our higher self. If you're super religious and you go to church, you know God is everywhere. God is within you. God is everywhere. It's simply a way to clear out some of the anxiety and noise going on in our own brains so that we may hear our higher self, our soul, or God. And we can do the things we're supposed to do in this life to get the things we want to get that are in alignment with, with our higher self. Because a lot of times we want things that are not really good for us, too. Why do you think that, that, that I mean, I'm going to go royal we here. We, as black people, will often turn ourselves over to god but when it comes to dealing with our own mental health why is that such a struggle for us well that's a, that's again thank you for another good question because you just said it we you said why do we turn ourselves over to god and here's what i'm going to say i think having religion and god is a beautiful thing right it gives us community it gives us hope it gives us faith but let's not forget that when we were brought over here as a people we had a whole culture Full of beautiful religions and, and our own rituals and things that made us comfortable and all of that was stripped away from us when we got here so some of the things that i'm talking about just getting in touch with your intuition or getting in touch with the energy around you is stuff that we did that was part of our everyday lives and then it was stripped away when we were brought to america and made slaves right so Ultimately, what I'm saying is maybe we can get back to some of that. But why we stay away from that, I think it's a mistrust of doctors, frankly. Mm. You know, back in the day, like I know my, my aunties and great aunties and great grandmothers, none of them went to the doctor because they didn't trust it. They were sure experiments were going to be done on them. They weren't going to be taken seriously. All valid complaints, by the way. So we as a people didn't really go. But what we did do, when you think about this, almost every little neighborhood had its, oh, you know what? You want to know about yourself or you you want to you want to you want to hear a secret about something you go to old mrs so and so over there she'll tell you about yourself every neighborhood had one of those and they almost functioned as the therapist of the neighborhood right and the doctor in a sense uh of the neighborhood so all i'm talking about with these cards is learn to do it yourself that's my number one thing is why i wrote the book is if you learn to do this yourself, you can help yourself. And that way, when you walk by the, the shop in Hyde Park, you're not tempted to go in and spend a hundred bucks when you could just buy uh, 30 bucks and under, buy it, learn it yourself. And I call it on the back of the box. It's a, 
tarot cards can be a shrink in a box, a spiritual Xanax. It's simply a way to self-soothe. A lot of us were not taught how to self-soothe by our parents because they had it tough too. And it's like, just deal with it. Fuck up. Stop crying. Rub some dirt on it. Huh? Rub some dirt on it. Like that's- yeah, and so that's fair enough. Our parents all taught us the best they could. But what I'm saying is there's a couple other things, tools in our arsenal we can use. And if you don't want to go to a therapist and spend $300 an hour, you can kind of look. And tarot cards, symbol-wise, really break down the hero's journey. Per Joseph Campbell, if you've read any Joseph Campbell, the first 22 cards of the tarot deck are literally the hero's journey. So it's Star Wars in a nutshell, <laughs> in zero through through uh, there's 22 major cards zero through 21 and that is just our lives the up and d- ups and downs of our daily life so to me it is a way to reflect on my own life and kind of clock myself and check myself and see if i'm doing the right thing because quite often we do the wrong thing but now i own it at least like if i'm gonna eat a box of donuts i'm gonna own that shit i'm gonna say i'm gonna eat the whole box and if when i gain five pounds i can't complain or whine because I'm owning, I knew this, I'm owning this behavior. I'm no longer a victim, right? If I go, I don't know what happened. I can't believe I gained five pounds. I'm a victim. But if I say, I made a choice to eat an entire box of chocolate donuts and I gained five pounds. Now I will work it off. That is more empowering than I don't know. A lot of us, you know what I'm saying? I know you have friends who call you up. And my other thing about cards is, it's really great. You can analyze yourself so that if I were to call you up, now I'm more informed and I'm not just dumping all my problems on you and expecting you to live in the minutiae of my brain. I figure out some of the stuff first so that when I talk to my friends, we actually have a conversation that's reciprocity. You know, it's not just them listening to me vomit my life up for two hours. It's tar- that's my it, truth on tarot. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that that's a... I'm actually really glad that you said that because it helps me to understand better what it is that you're trying to accomplish and you've made it very digestible for for me to to get into this a little bit i there's so much i want to ask you i feel like i feel like ever since you've been in the public consciousness you have been someone that we can point to and be like she's connected to something I don't know what it is. By that, you mean she's weird, right? No, I don't. I, well, I'm, I imagine that there were probably people who told you you were weird. But, but I mean it as like, I feel like, like you're kind of like the old lady in the block. Like, Rachel knows something and she's connected to something. So I'd love to know, like, what have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt, listen, I'm different and this is, this is how I'm different. But I feel like my, my, my uniqueness is wrapped up in something that's positive and maybe is, is not even something that you could say out loud. Well, I think, listen, we all feel weird, don't we? Each and yes. every one of us feels like we are different <clears throat> than everyone else and weird. And a lot of us are, right? Uh, but I also, in the book, it's not just a tarot book. There's also 22 memoir essays in there um, that are attached to the, the interpretations of the first 22 cards. So I go through and talk about um, my life and also how, how I use the cards at times in the essays. I talk about a little bit about how I use the cards to help me discern what was the best choice or figure my way out of something or deal with a hard time. 
and I don't know uh, necessarily like if I know stuff other people don't. I am very intuitive, bordering on a little psychic, as are we all, though. If you tune into your energy, it's not that hard to read a room. You walk into a room and you say, ooh, the vibe is tense. There you go. You're psychic. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 really all it is, is being able to pick up on the energy around. I think all of us can do it. I've always done it. The cards help refine it. I don't need the cards to pick up energy, um, you know, on, on people anymore. But I think I think here's my thing. I think I was always considered kind of weird. And so when I wrote the book, I was like, ain't nothing different from yesterday to today. They gonna think I'm weird anyway. I already think I'm weird. Here I am. Here's weird. <laughs> did, did you ever suffer from that, like, inside of Hollywood, of people being like, oh, you know, Rachel, she's, she's strange. I don't know if, if we can trust her with this part or this type of role. I don't think so much with that because they don't know. You go in and you read, right, and you're a character. So they either think you're right for the part or not. They do ask about you, how so-and-so to work with on set. A lot of that goes on. But you're professional on set. It's not like I'm whipping out my weird stuff on set. Uh, I would say, though, oddly enough, um, if I felt a, a, outside of anything, it was unfortunately probably my own black community because I'm not super churchy. <laughs> so, if you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. You ask a question and I'm answering it honestly, which is if, if anyone shift made me feel a little outside, it was our own black community because there's, oh, you tarot cards. Oh, with your curly hair instead of a straight weave. Oh, with your weirdness. That came from our own people more than anyone else, to be honest. Um, because like we as black people know white people inside and out. You know, we've grown up around them. We know their society. We live in their society. They don't know stuff about us, though, but we know everything about them is the truth or a lot. And it's just kind of like that with black people and hippie black chicks. They sort of push you to the outside. And I want to be part of it. But I also know that, like, um, I didn't grow up going to church like I grew up with, uh, you know, my dad's Jewish and I wasn't sent to church. And um, to be ostracized simply for that let me know very early on that this was not about me, not about Rachel or her personality. This was about ideology, because if you're going to write someone off because they didn't go to the same church as you or they don't go to church, then that's not about my person. That's about your ideology that a good person does this, period, you know, or someone who is acceptable to me does X, Y, and Z. But what I would counter with is I may not, I respect and I love God and uh, Christ consciousness and all of that, but I may not go to church, but I also don't go to church, you know, swear on the Bible and then go do terrible things all week. Like a lot of people in church, you know, I'm not sleeping with my friend's husband. I'm not stealing from my neighbor uh, or from my business partner. So what I'm going to say is, you know, I feel spiritual and, you know, in alignment with the same things my fellow, my other people do. Uh, I, I think when I look at the hypocrisy sometimes of Christianity, I wish that some of the true, the people who really live by its tenets would rise up, you know, because I have a couple friends who are religious and um, oddly enough, they have been the most supportive with my book. 
a lot of black people are ignoring it because they're like, oh, tarot scary. <laughs> and yet it is my one religious friend who I've always said, if anyone's going to bring me to the church, it's her because she lives by the tenants. So she said, I wasn't sure if I was going to look at your book, but then I thought of you, Rachel, and I know you have nothing but good energy. So I looked at it and it was great. And I was playing with the cards a little bit and, and it was great. And so she sort of looked. That's a true Christian who's going to explore something for themselves and then make a decision. Was, That's what I'm saying. Had she decided she didn't like it, that would have been fine too. But she at least checked it out before writing it off because somebody told her the Bible says don't use a card, which isn't true. The Bible is literally full of people getting signs from God in the weirdest ways. There's no doubt about that. And I – my. I went to I went to a Catholic university, DePaul University in Chicago, and one of the best professors that I had was a Catholic priest who was teaching the the history of religion. Like you have to take a religion class, and his message was explore. He's like, I don't know if I have the answers for you. Explore if you want to explore other forms of Christianity, do it. If you want to explore Buddhism do it and i'll never forget that like i'll never forget father hall he basically was like have your religious rumspringa yeah go right go out go out there and and go live amongst it and i think that the the point that you make is really important because there are plenty of people who are religious that aren't moral and you can find your way to morality without necessarily being religious and those people who struggle that you know they they tell you i'm this or i'm that but they're not following what even even the lay person knows about this their is what religion. I'm trying to say. Like, I would rather say I don't go to church than say I go and be lying about living, not living its tenants. Honestly, if I'm going to go, I'm going to live those tenants. Right. Uh, because I believe them and That's I believe the them to help me be a better person. So just to pivot it back to what I'm trying to do with the book is I believe analyzing myself with these cards is something that puts me more in alignment with whatever God's will would be for me, which would be to do the right thing in my life, right? Like these cards or checking myself reminds me to do what I think will move me forward, what will not hurt anyone else. You know, just it, it lets me look at the big picture and see how it all fits together because we've seen with this last election that there's, you know, Hillary Clinton was right. There's a lot of deplorables in this country who would choose their own moment of satisfaction rather than the entire country being healed. Right. And the entire country moving forward. They want their own greed. Because what I learned, you know, it was interesting to me during the pandemic. I was on Twitter and there were so many people complaining, mostly white people, but so many people complaining that, um, you know, it's not fair that my cousin so-and-so is making more than me on unemployment right now. I make good money. And so what I finally, I was like, stay out of it, Rachel. It's none of your business. And what I finally wrote was, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need, you need to know you don't make good money. <laughs> if your cousin is making more than you on unemployment, which was a bump up during that time from their normal unemployment rate. But if they're making more than that, you actually don't make good money in America. You make less than the $15 an hour or whatever it is. So... Um, and also, I, I watched people react with greed, which was, in a sense, a lot of people, I think, were drawn to Trump because they saw him stepping on other people to get to where he, he was. And they think, 
I want to do that. I want to be the exact same way. I want to be in a position to step on other people, to screw other people over. Because I just kept saying to people, like, if somebody who was laid off from McDonald's is making more on unemployment, good. They probably don't have the savings. Good. Good for them. Like, it doesn't hurt me. So that so many people just got on a soapbox and said, it's not fair that they're doing better that they used to be was an eye opener, not so much for black people. We know how crazy people are in this country, but I just mean in general, really let you know that everybody is, um, there's a lot of greed out there and I really like to stay grounded. I live in Hollywood, right? It's a town of smoke and mirrors and uh, I just like to stay grounded. So that way I can go do my thing, but come home and not believe the hype because if you start to believe the hype, then you get very lonely without an audience to, um, you know, validate you. And I, I prefer to use my cards or spirituality to validate myself, whatever I'm doing, whether it's acting or writing or sewing a shirt or whatever, because I'm an artist. So in whatever I do, I want to be truthful with that. The only way to succeed as an actor is to be able to be truthful. You have to be able to tell the truth. So that's just, you know, something that's important to me as an artist. And yeah, I guess I am a liberal in a sense, like I want everyone to do well. If there's an expression, like we're only as strong as our weakest fellow man, you know? And I really believe that energetically because if I'm happy and I'm doing better and, and you're happy and you're doing better, like the vibration around us can only be good and rise other people up. And you don't have to blow out someone else's candle to have yours shine brighter. No, not at all. No, I shine pretty bright as is. Yes, you do. You one hundred percent do. You you were talking about how like you there were times where you felt like you were kind of derided by the black like church community. Was there ever a point outside of just being black that you felt more connected with the community as you were growing in popularity? Uh, well, I know when I did um, Half and Half, especially, which is on Netflix now, that was really great for me because in, in the 90s, I'd been in a lot of movies where I was the one black person <laughs> in a sea of white people, right? <laughs> so that's its own thing. Um, that's its own thing. Well, well, I, I mean... But you know, I said in another interview that... Um, I know I worked, if somebody came up to me in the 90s and said to me, a guy said to me, um, a brother said to me, you work because white people like you. And I thought, he's not wrong. You know, he's not wrong. I'm a, I'm a medium brown with curly hair, medium to light with curly hair. You can take me to dinner with your white family and they're not going to freak out. They're not going to want you to date me. But, but they're not going to freak out if you take me to dinner, right? So that's what he meant, and he wasn't wrong. And honestly, I'm waiting for there's a fire outside. I'm waiting for, after Amy Comey Barrett, Barrett whatever her name is, I, I thought, you know, if I can admit that in an interview and I can say, yeah, I know I work because white people were like, well, she's black, but, you know, with her hair. and da, da, da. So why? where's the white woman Mia Culpa? Where is their reflection of the mirror of Amy Comey for them to say, oh, maybe I, as a white woman, a mediocre white woman benefited <laughs> from this privilege the way Amy Comey did? Where is it? Because I, like I said, I can look and say, yes, I think maybe having this kind of curly hair, which wasn't in before I hit Hollywood, but then I just lucked into the grungy nine, you know, my look was whatever of the time. So that helped me work. 
And I'm saying, where's these other women saying, oh, maybe I was, you know, maybe I rose up and became a DA a lot quicker than my black peer because I'm mediocre and white. Where is it? It doesn't seem to be anywhere. But you're right about half and half. I I felt like that was an important moment for black America because it showed a more of a mosaic of black culture. And and I, I thought that, that your character in particular, look, I mean, I'll, I'll just be straight up and down with you. My my girlfriend from high school looks and acts just like you. So like so. So I mean, are you like weird, huh? <laughs> apparently that that is the case. But but I I was like, yeah, I have friends like this. Like, I know people like that character. And I thought that it opened up in a way where we were able to see that even in the black community that we have differences that we have to bridge where a lot of times in Hollywood, black people are depicted as kind of a monolith. And that's what I thought was so great about half and half is like, oh, yeah, there, there's there are a lot of different facets to black culture that sometimes incorporate cultures outside of black culture. Well, one of the things that's really touched me since uh, people, you know, since the show's been back on Netflix, which, by the way, people stop hitting me up about like, ooh, another episode or who she chose. Hit up Netflix. I'm just an actor in it. Um, <laughs> no, but really, like, I have no power to get another episode. And that's Netflix, not me. But um, no, it was important. A Half and Half was a pilot originally written. It was written by two white uh, writers for Janine Garofalo. And she decided not to, for, for the Mona role, she decided not to do it. It sat on the shelf for a while. And then Yvette Lee Bowser, my showrunner and the creator of um, Living Single and, and other shows, she picked it up and decided, um, yeah, we could do this for the Black family. And one of the things I think I like the best, or probably the reason I booked it, right, is when you when you read it, there's nothing about uh, ethnicity or culture necessarily in it. And Yvette Lee Bowser, the showrunner, said, one thing I will never make you do is dance a jig just to go to the mailbox in a scene and get your mail. Because to, to, to wit with your Black people as a monolith, you know, like there was a, just a time in the 80s and 90s where we were just singing and dancing all the time. And, oh, you know, I got some coffee and you're doing a jig because you got a coffee. And so nothing wrong with that. That's based on real life. But it became ubiquitous after a while. And we don't all dance to go get our coffee right so she wanted to avoid certain stereotypes and things like that and um i think by casting me in that role that kind of helped with that as 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 an odd duck character but i think she was bouncing off um you know other characters along the way there's always been a i call it um you know especially a lot of the roles i played in movies in the 90s manic pixie black girl magic you know, because Manic Pixie was a white trope in the 90s. But there were us black girls, you know, like doing the weird shit, too, um, in kooky movies. And so, yeah, um, that's just, I think, some of the alternative characters that I played. But, yeah, so many people out there have written me on Twitter and Instagram saying, you know, oh, you were the one time I could see someone who was a little different or you made me feel less weird mm -hmm. about myself, less outside the norm. Because as you said before, like, we're not a monolith. We're just not. We've got um, black skate punks. We've got black conservatives. We've got, you know, about 800,000 of y'all voted for Trump. So there's that. Um, there's many, many, many different kinds of us people were depending on where we're raised also another thing that i think separates me a little 
from sometimes the black community is I'm not Southern. <laughs> I'm like a Northern girl through and through, you know? So some of the things when people are talking about, you know, like tea and pound cake, I'm like, what the, what are you talking about? And then I realized these aren't things that make us black, right? These are just uh, uh, cultural things or, or things that are, or the patois of our voice is, is, doesn't make us black. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It just means I was raised in a certain area, right? You you do radio. You probably cultivated a little of your voice to mm -hmm. get that radio tone in it. So anyway, I just, I think I do. I see the day and I long for the day though, where we judge each other a little less on external things. Like one of my pet peeves, this is not going to endear me to anyone, but I really hate it. Cause you know, I've worn my hair like this my whole life. Yes. It breaks off and then it's super short. Sometimes it's long, but it's usually my own hair. Unless I'm in a movie or something, sometimes we'll wear pieces just to stop the wear and tear in my own hair. But this is just what it is, you know? And um, I think, well, I don't know. Why don't you ask me a question? I, I'm going to go All off right. on a tangent. No, I want to bring it back to what you're trying to ask me. That, that's fine. I don't. I, I don't want to get you in any trouble, but I do want to ask you about. No, I will. I'll, let me finish that thought. One of my pet peeves today is, I don't know, us black women we're judging each other on our, on our edges. <laughs> I think it's silly. I'm sorry, I do because like it's so not it doesn't have anything to do with the person, who they are, how smart they are, how clever. They are how kind they are, what a good parent they are, what a good sister they are. It's in the, And I realize like we're only judging ourselves on our edges because the rest is a wig, right? So the edges are the only part of your own hair that shows. And then it's like a big thing about that. And I'm not saying they don't look beautiful and all that, but it seems an, it's, it's an external thing that we're judging our, our, ourselves on rather than the content of our character. I agree. And you and you could do the whole baby hair thing very easily if you wanted to. You could rock. No, I couldn't yes, though. I could. didn't even know what it was. And then I was like, what do you mean? Go through with a toothbrush? What? What? I don't have time for that. But also, look at my hair. I mean, I was just a curly mess, right? And also I was made fun of by a lot of black people too for my hair. I mean, I was down doing a job in Atlanta and the guy literally treated my hair like it was a dis dirty dead skunk because really? it was curly that just doesn't look right it just doesn't look right oh i'm sorry i don't have our colonizer's hair i'm so sorry and i know it's a it's a touchy subject and we don't want to talk about it and we certainly don't want to hear it from me because i have curly hair right so i don't know you have that's good hair. what i've been told is i don't know and i and i get that i uh, overstand that having a 3c curl it makes it a more palatable hair, right? But I I don't know. I think we're judging each other on these weird things. And when I was a kid, at least there was a conversation about our natural hair and wearing our natural hair and loving our natural locks. And then I remember thinking like, what happened to that? Because all of a sudden in the late 90s, it was just like the faker, the better. The 
You know, the faker the better. I, Oops, hello? No, you're still there. I still got you. I don't know. Someone else tried to zoom in. That was so weird. That is weird. Like, uh, so, I don't know who's there. So anyway, I, that's my hair thing, and now people are going to hate me for that. But I love our natural hair, no matter what its texture is, right? Like when my hair all broke off and it was two inches long, I just sucked it up and wore it. I didn't really, I didn't wear a weave. I didn't do anything. I didn't feel as pretty. I will admit that. But I also know that it was just, it's fine because I, I'm trying in this life to get my validation from inside. Now I have the luxury of that because I'm con- conventionally attractive, right? So I have the luxury of that position and I understand that as well. But I also know that Again, I just go back to the content of my character is the thing I want to be judged on, not not the spiral of my curl. How does it make you feel as they're getting ready to reboot the craft that there have been a lot of people that have been like, y'all need to show respect to the OG Rachel True when when it comes to people talking about the 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 original version of the movie. Well, here's what I can't speak on the remake, which has already come and gone. But what I can say is, you know, I was on the fence in the very beginning when I booked the craft and originally the character was bulimic, right. And white. And then I book it and, and they take out the bulimia and she's black and dealing with racism. And it's the mid nineties. And I remember thinking, is this, you know, she's burned. She's crazy. She's suicidal. What's my, that's an external thing. People are putting that racism thing on me. I'm not walking around as a character, Rochelle, going, I'm, I, what I'm saying is, I wondered if the producers or the world saw my blackness as my problem. Because everyone else had a problem, which is I'm crazy, I'm burned, I'm suicidal. I'm what? I'm what? I'm a victim of rape, but what's my thing? Do you understand what I'm saying? One is external, one is my own. Like, had they left in, I'm bulimic, and I'm dealing with racism, then I wouldn't... So anyway, I was like, huh, I don't know, I don't know. But then I thought about, like, the Cosby show, which I'd worked on, which had never dealt with racism, right? And what I know now is I'm glad there was that storyline, because um, it's just as relevant today as it was then even more so, which is sad, you know, and very, very sad for the state of America. But um, it also, what I'm going to say is it helped make Rochelle a full, well-rounded character. And that was not so usual for black characters in teen movies back then. You're always in service to the white girl in peril. Are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Are you okay? Cause it's not about me. It's about you. So Rochelle having her own storyline meant she had her own agenda. She wasn't just there in service of some white girl's need. She literally had her own revenge plot going. And I chose to play her. She gets her wish. The girl's hair falls out. And Rochelle, unlike the other girls who are giddy, I kind of played her a little more conflicted. And the reason I did that was, if you have been a victim of racism, which I'm sure you have, my black brother, and I have, right? You know how terrible it feels. And so to, to, for Rochelle to have done that, done something terrible to someone else, I felt because she had dealt with this racism her whole life, there might be this feeling of, oh, God, now I've done to them what they've done to me, you know, and, and that would cause a conflict in her rather than glee. And, and has that actually made me feel better? In, in, you know, like right. I've done damage to someone. Did that make me feel better or did that make me feel worse? That's right. And, you know, I questioned how I played it back then. I was like, did I play that wrong? Like, should I have just been like, ha, 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 your hair is falling out? But 
I'm glad I played it the way I did. I think, again, it gives her more layers, which is, I want this. I have this magic. Oh, but wait, look at my power. It hurts. Oh, goodness. And so to have Rochelle be in that movie with her own character is really terrific because I don't know there are plenty of black characters in movies today who are not as well-rounded as Rochelle was. I thought about you a lot while I was watching Lovecraft Country. Have you seen it? Oh, it's really good. Yeah. I, I thought about Rochelle and I thought about, man, like, I, and I don't know if, if, if the, the creators of that show, like, I know that they drew from everywhere and I wonder if they drew from the craft because there were some moments where I felt like, yeah, I, it felt very familiar. And I was going, you know, Rachel True kind of opened up a door here. That, that well, I can't say that I did, but me being in that movie, I think, again, people forget that before that, teen movies were very separate. It was black teen movies over here, but really there weren't that many. Teen movies were kind of not in, but it was Boys in the Hood, Straight Out of Brooklyn, da 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 You know, it was like hard pieces about inner city life separate over here. And then there were these Stand uh, by John me. Hughes white teen right. movies where it's were pretty and pink. You know, so Rochelle being in that movie, I think, did open things up because a few years later, then you get uh, Elise in Scream and you start to see us interspersed and not be killed the very first, you know, person. So I don't think, know necessarily that Lovecraft uh, thought about Rochelle, but what I do like that they did is turning that um, as a child, I always struggled with. I was an avid reader. I got into tarot cards as a kid, by the way, not because of the craft. I was into it. I talk about this in the book. I was into it way, way earlier. But when you read an author uh, like Lovecraft and you're like, oh, I like this story. Or, or I remember doing a Fassbender scene, you know, an acting scene. And then you find out they're a Nazi. And you're like, F-U-C-K, what do I do? And you realize, you know, you have to parse. Uh, how do I separate the art from the artist? How do I do that? Because there's plenty of things we all enjoy and the people who created them are monsters. Ultimately, some we know about, some we don't is what I'm saying. You don't know what people do behind closed doors. So I like that they kind of turned it on its head and played with all that because H.B. Lovecraft was very racist. (laughs) So it stopped me from enjoying some of those stories, you know, Uh, because I would just say I don't want to read someone who is very racist. But I love that he was like, I'm a. No, I like sci-fi. I like weird stuff, but I'm going to take that and take it back. You know, it was very powerful, I think. And yeah, there's a lot more, um, Jesus, so many thirsty people on my phone today. Um, but I think what I've seen is with this renaissance of Black Hollywood, you know, so after half and half, by the way, I actually got, um, I had a major health thing. And that's when people are like, what happened to Rachel? Uh, mis- I got misdiagnosed. I had to get healthy. I had to have a major surgery. Blah, 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 blah. And in the meantime, while I was going through all that, there is a renaissance in Hollywood, which is amazing because half and half and all those sitcoms on that night. Even with that, I remember thinking, is this good that we're all segregated on the same night? <laughs> like, it's black like on night. one hand. Yeah. But on one hand, listen, I've struggled with it for a long time because I was like, why we can't be interspersed through the week? Why we got to be on one night? Why is it Black Night? Still, why is it Black Night? And then, I, and since then, I've gone, you know what? At least there was one night right. <laughs> back then. One night where you could see, as, as, as Blackula says in the horror noir documentary, I mean, we talk about different horror films. It's very good. I think it's on Amazon Prime now, horror noir. But um, I think I talk about this line where Blackula has Blackula turns one of his friends into a vampire. His friend looks in the mirror and goes, what is a man if he cannot see his own reflection? 
which is a line basically about uh, our own selves in America as black people. What, who are we? We cannot see our own reflection in magazines, in print, on television, on any of these things. So what's been nice is, you know, there is this resurgence and renaissance and black people uh, show running and directing and I'm writing scripts too. And um, I did a movie this year too. I want to get back to acting, but I also love writing. That's what I realized from writing the book, which by the way, I just want to point out, I wrote myself, every mother, everybody gets someone to write it for them. I did it. I wrote this book myself. <laughs> so I hope people check it out because it's really not easy to write a book. No, it's not. <laughs> That's the truth. I thought I would get it done in six months and it took me a year and a half. <laughs> oh my. Well, I mean, it's a lot of moving parts too, though. I mean, it's not just a, a straight memoir. I think if you were no, doing just a straight memoir, then yeah, you could have probably knocked it out in six months. I don't know about that. Have you ever written a book? You I, think you can knock I'm something out in six months. <laughs> I'm not saying you couldn't, but I'm just saying, it's so much more complicated. And I think a lot of people hit my DMs like, I want to write a book. Hey, people, go do it. Don't wait for permission from anyone. Just do it. Just start doing it is my truth on that. No one can do it for us. You just have to do it. But part of why it took that long, too, is I was designing, coming up with concepts for the artwork for the deck. And then the way it was done is the artist was in Canada and she didn't want to get together with me which was weird. So we had to do it all through the, um, all through the publishing house. So I would have come up, pull a lot of, con pull pictures, pull concepts, write up a whole thing for the artist, send it to the publishing house. Publishing house would send it to her. She would send her artwork back to them. So it was just a really long process. We got a beautiful deck out of it, but it was definitely like, you know, I think you could tell I'm very hands-on. I was like, I'm going to come up and we're going to hang out and we're going to brainstorm. She was like, no. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay. <laughs> so, so, so I've hit the craft. I've hit half and half. I, I desperately want to talk to you about half-baked. <laughs> so here's the reason why. I, I'm a huge Neil Brennan fan. I, I love listening to his oh, podcast. Oh, he's so smart and talented, Neil Brennan. He really is. I, and so I listen to his podcast a lot, and he's talked about how, for the most part, he hated half-baked. That he thought he thought that it wasn't truly representative of the the type of comedic genius that he and dave may have had and as the pod has gone on people have been like neil that movie is amazing and everyone loves that movie so he's kind of begrudgingly moved towards a place like i think he even rewatched it and he's like you know what it was pretty good and pretty fun. But you know what? As an artist, I get what he's saying because even with my book, you know, it had to go through an editing process with things taken in, things taken out, or, or artwork that I wanted different and I was shut down on by a publishing house that doesn't know anything about tarot. All of it is a lot to deal with when you're doing it. So I get what Neil's saying because those guys, him, Dave, they are geniuses. But when you're doing a studio movie, you have to... There's a lot of people with voices who, who have a say because they have the money. It all boils down to who has the money. That's and, um, you know, I'm sure what, what Neil thinks is like, oh, if only we had some more money to shoot this scene the way I want it or if we can this take it differently. And so I get it. It's really hard to look back on old art. Here's what I think about how fake. Like, I love being Mary Jane. I get caught to this day. People are like, Mary Jane on the street. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> you're talking to me. So that's crazy. Uh, I love that I played these, like, iconic 
silly but iconic characters. Like people know Rochelle's name from the craft. They people know, know Mary Jane. People know Mona. That's at least three characters I've done that people know the name of. It's not just you're the girl from the thing. No, you know exactly who I was in the movie. And that's kind of a good feeling, you know? So I'm appreciative of that movie. It is really dumb, though. It is, but it's great. <laughs> it's so dumb that it's funny. And the humor is very silly. And I also think um, if you're slightly high, it's even funnier. <laughs> did did you did you guys know when you're making that movie that was it fun as fun to make as it looked like once you got to the finished product? Yes, although I think the boys had more fun. I mean, I feel like they were forever. We were shooting in Canada. Maybe were we in Montreal or Tor- Toronto? I think. And all I know is the boys were going out a lot to the strip clubs, you know what I'm saying? And stuff like, they were having a good time, a Canadian good time. I didn't really go with them there, but I had a blast. I mean, it was a great city to be shooting in. Dave was super fun and nice. Neil and I got along great. You know, it was just a, it was as fun as you'd think. And there's something nice about shooting in Canada too, where it was just easy. We did shoot the end of it. I think we went to New York City, Brooklyn. Went to the the bridge, bridge, yeah. Yeah, for like a day. And you know what? It was really tough to shoot in New York and made me happy that we doubled Toronto for New York. Um, But no, it was silly. We weren't high all the time. Everyone's like, do you get smoke pot all the time? No, no. In fact, because I do, like, I don't take any, um, well, someone who takes medicine, but I do, listen, weed's legal here. I like it for anxiety. It does not work for everyone. It exacerbates anxiety for other people and can bring on, make schizophrenia and different psychological things worse. So you'll never hear me pushing it for other people. Right. But what I'm saying is I kind of like it. Uh, so for me, but I don't drink either, you know, so that's the one thing that I, that I do and enjoy. So I kind of liked being in the silly weed movie, but I did a speech at a weed uh, thing and everyone was so mad at me and disappointed when I was like, I don't get high when I work. No. And they were like, what? I mean, you know, what do you mean? Like, it's a, it's a medicine. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. I can't go in with red eyes and forget my lines. No, I can use it appropriately to maybe work on a character at home and bounce around ideas and be creative with, but you got to know your boundaries. Like, no, I can't, I wouldn't No, I don't want to have red eyes and look high on camera. So absolutely not. And like I said, I know that pissed off some of the weed people, but that's my truth on that. Like, you, you, you wouldn't drink a bunch of glasses of wine and go be a dentist, would you? No. No. I'm not saying I haven't been caught on camera once in a blue moon high when I thought we might have been wrapped, and then we had to go back and do a shot. But what I'm saying is, it's, you know, everything in its appropriate place or time. Otherwise, it's an addiction to be dealt with. I agree with that. You've been super generous with your time. I just want to have, ask you one more question about your career as an actor. You said that you want to get back into acting. What what type of role makes well, the did, most sense I, for you? I right did a now? horror movie. Uh, I've already gotten back into it in a sense. I did a couple of movies last year, but I played a nun, which was super fun in a cerebral horror movie called Agnes, and that was great because I just I like playing characters who are outside my realm. Right? I don't know what it's. We already talked about how I'm not Miss Churchy, right? So here I am playing a nun, did a lot of research on it. There is something amazing when you put on that habit and you are part of a whole, you are Borg. 
You know, by that, I just mean you are part of a whole. No, I, right? I'm, I'm a huge like Star Trek geek. So you saying Borg I, like is the is the the spike the football moment of this interview is the fact that we now vibe on Star Trek stuff because I knew exactly what you meant when you said I had Borg. a feeling you would know what I'm talking about. But seriously, you're part of a whole and you do have a little more autonomy than a Borg. But I really liked it. I mean, I, I got it. You know, you are married to God and they're they're so weird and fervent and a little sexual with their prayers that it was weird to me when I really dug in and did research. But um, so I don't know. I, I still love comedy, to be honest, too. Like I would love to do another sitcom. It was really fun to make people laugh. And I loved throwing myself like physical comedy. You know, like I'd be black and blue some weekends because I was like slamming myself into doors or throwing myself on the ground and tripping. And and I so I that was kind of fun. I just thought of like the old Saturday Night like Live people like Gilda Radner just throwing herself and that sort of stuff I like to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm also working. I'm writing a couple things that are about adults women because i see a lot of stuff about i I don't really care about a 20 year old girl figuring out her sexuality like i don't give a shit i just like she doesn't care about me and what my grown-up stuff is going through but i'm writing something because i think a lot of people hit up my dms and they're like oh my god you don't look like an old hag essentially and so my feeling is oh maybe you need to adjust your idea of what a grown-up is you know like i'm a grown-up but that doesn't mean I'm a grandma. And in fact, when I was ready to start working again, after I got healthy and all of that, um, all of a sudden I was going up on grandma roles, like not even moms, but grandma roles. And I was like, hey, have we met? But they're bouncing it off what they think a woman my age should be, which is a grandma on the couch who is desexualized. You know, the black grandma on the couch trope. That's all. And I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. I think I should at least have a teenager before I'm like right. a grandma. So I think for them, it was just a little tricky with me age-wise because also what happened was the second they found out my real age, all of a sudden the auditions changed, dried up and it went to grandmas. And I thought, well, if I could play a woman before, why am I suddenly now persona non grata? Because you know a number, you know? And it's also me. And I've looked the same my whole life. So you don't really have to worry about me looking decrepit by the, the end of this run, if that makes any sense. Like when you hire an actor for a show, it, it might be a seven year run, you know? So they want to know, oh, okay. Are they going to still look like a human in seven years? Or are they suddenly going to become older? So I think people like me who are like, you know, don't, I look every inch of a grown up, but I don't quite look my age. I think it's always been confusing to Hollywood and also grown women are confusing to Hollywood. So the same way girls and all this 20 something stuff, like I want to see women. So that's what I'm working on a couple scripts for that. I truly appreciate this. This was, uh, you were on a list of people that I, I desperately wanted to have on my podcast so I'm so grateful that you had time to be on it. Well, thank you for asking me. You have a great voice, by the way. Thank you. You really should be doing some um, voiceovers. If you know, if you know a guy that can help me do voiceovers, I'm all I'm all here for it. I, I don't, I don't actually, because that's not my milieu. But you also should do audiobooks too. Have you thought about that? I have. I'm actually. It's so weird that you were talking about writing. Like my dad's a writer, so I I do a little. I dabble. Um, and a friend of mine actually asked me to help write a comic book 
So I'm I'm working on doing that, and then hopefully there's going to be some sort of voice component to that. No, no, you, I mean, like, you know, again, I'd say, not that you're asking, but so many people hit up my DMs, like, how do I do it? You know, you're smart, obviously. You know how to do all the research and figure it out and do it. But I bet if you dug it up, you could do it because you really do have a great, uh, not everyone in radio has a great radio voice. How's that? This is very, <laughs> very true. Rachel, you're a delight. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh, thanks for the copy of the book. And now I under- I have a better understanding of what it is that I'm about to delve into, and I can't wait. Yeah, I hope you'll try it, by the way, because somebody sent me a DM saying, can men use it? And I was like, ah, duh! <laughs> <laughs> Which I I didn't answer, actually, because sometimes I think, well, you must just want my attention, right? Because there's nothing on it that says women only. But yeah, that's how... That's where you know I'm a grown-up now, because that's where I lose faith. I'm like, a duh, you can. And they're like, what does a duh mean? And I'm like, oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Have an excellent rest of your day. And if you ever need anything and you ever want to promote anything, I am more than willing to have more conversations with you. Thank you so much. Have an awesome rest of your day. Me too. Bye. Bye. So, so pleasant. Maybe I should get a job in voiceover work. That would be great. Hold on. Let me try something. <clears throat> this is CNN. I think I got it. I think I nailed it. So whoever needs voice work, just hit me up, and then I can work on some things. Get that Montana money. Not Joe Montana, like the state of Montana, where I would just go. Actually, I'd probably go to Wyoming. I mean, who are we fooling? I'd go to Arizona and I'd have a place in Flagstaff for the summer and then I'd be in Scottsdale for the rest of the time. That's the plan. If I stay in the United States. That's the plan, though. And then have a place in Chicago because, you know, it's Chicago. But Rachel True is dope, man. She's dope. And being able to hear some of those stories... It's really, really terrific. I'm glad that she had time to to hang out with me. And it's really, I don't know, I guess the, it's really satisfying to know that the person that you see on screen with her is the person that you think she is in real life. Not, I'm not saying that she is her characters or that her characters are her. But I felt like there was enough of all of the characters that I've seen Rachel True play that I felt like I got the the remnants of that in talking to her for an hour. And it's so strange because sometimes people just want, and they should, like, look, I get an opportunity to talk with them. It's great for me. And then it's great for them because they get an opportunity to sell something on this platform. And I should mention again, True Heart, Intuitive Tarot. There's a memoir in there. It's a guidebook on tarot. And then her memoir is in there. So some of the, some of the stories that you heard us talking about, she goes into depth. And I, I think it's, it's a really, really good thing. I'm so glad that, that this was able to, if I sound like super happy, it's because I am. It's one of the, she was one of the people on the list. I'm like, man, I hope I, 
I hope that my podcast gets to have Rachel True on it. And it it even exceeded my expectations. I know that some of you come here for the interviews, and I know that we've been very sports heavy in the podcast, and I appreciate you sticking with this podcast for as long as you have, even if you aren't a sports people. We're going to be doing more. I'm getting back into the rhythm of the interviews now that I have my makeshift studio set up in the new place. I'm going to get back into the rhythm of interviews, and I can tell you that the next four weeks of interviews is done. The next four interview episodes are going to be out, and there's going to be Bear stuff, and and Connor and Joe are still going to be doing their baseball podcast, and we thank them. And we, By the way, we, we thank David Hochberg because he not only worked on my house, he worked on Connor's. And if you're looking for someone to help you find the funds for you to go get a house, this is the guy that you want on your side. So call him, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. So we're exploring. I'm working on, I, I haven't finished it as we are recording this episode, but my, my friend Joanne, who is an avid chess player, director of online learning at, at DePaul, was like, you need to watch Queen's Gambit. And I'm like, ah, do I really? And she's like, yeah, you do. So I broke down and watched it, and I loved it. So much so that there's going to be a Queen's Gambit episode of the podcast coming up in the next few weeks. We're going to keep expanding and we'll keep doing our best. We're trying to keep the lights on too. And that's why it's important that you support our advertisers like Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. I know it's asking you a lot and I'm not asking you to buy a car. I'm just saying if you are thinking about buying a car, buy a car from there. So that's why you'll hear like in the episodes now, like we're, we're working with Red Circle and we're finding some national sponsors too. But none of it works if you don't enjoy the the pods and the interviews. And I, I think that we're still putting out great interviews like this one with Rachel True. I also would highly recommend you scroll back and, and find Jay Zawoski's episode. I think that episode, if you're someone who enjoys, if you enjoy hockey or fatherhood, or stories about the score. Either way, I think you'll you'll end up liking that episode. But just scroll through. There's all sorts of stuff. All sorts of people that you may not have even realized were on House of L that were on House of L. So go back and look. But I promise you we're going to have even more fun episodes of the podcast in the weeks to come. So I thank you. I thank you for your support. If you want to email a suggestion or you want to react to an episode of the podcast, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Let me give that to you again. Houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. So that'll close the books on this episode. Damn, it was dope to talk with Rachel True. I believe Half and Half is now on Netflix or Amazon Prime. So if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to Rachel True, you can check her out. 
at this time of year, people are watching the craft anyway. I'm glad that she's finally getting her props on that as well. Thank you so much for listening. We have more bear stuff and more cool episodes coming out soon. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.